here today, we are picking up in our study in Mark's gospel. And as we read together today, verses 16 through 20 are the verses that we are going to be uh, focusing on. So in our introduction to Mark's gospel, we saw how Mark focuses primarily on the things that Jesus did. And we also mentioned how um, Mark moves along at a very rapid pace where um, the other gospel writers, especially you know Matthew and Luke, which are similar to Mark, they, they go into more detail about many of the teachings of Jesus and so forth. Mark just kind of goes rapid fire through those things. And we see it as we pick up here in verse 16 today because he is now just, you know, jumping right into uh, the calling of these um, four men are mentioned here in the passage. Uh, Simon, who would be Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And, and what we have recorded for us here is... Uh, the call of these men from being disciples to becoming apostles. And Jesus puts it in these words, uh, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, of course, he, the context is they were fishermen and they were there on the sea and they're with their boats and their fishing gear. But Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So what's happening here is they, they are being called into this very specific calling that God has for them, this, this apostolic calling. And, and with this here, we see um, the distinction within the church of two equally important but different aspects of um, church life, you know, Christian people uh, serving the Lord together, uh, we see that there are those who are going to spend the, the majority of their life in the, in the routine things, and then there are those that are going to be called out to more specific type of ministry. So you could put it like this. The, they, there are those who, they're going to spend their life, in, in a sense, fishing for fish, and then there are those that are going to spend their life in fishing for men or, or, or fishing for people. And, and the distinction that we're making there is the distinction between the majority of Christians. The majority of Christians uh, would, would be in the category of fishing for fish. You're going to, the, the majority of your time is going to be spent outside of the church, in your home, on your job, in the community. They're serving Christ. But then there are those that God calls away from that and he places them more in the midst of the church and their life and ministry revolves around that. So, so that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at those two um, distinct callings, but I want us to see that both of them are, are vital to the, the health and the uh, progress of the church. But let me... Um, let me mention two things. Let me mention disciple and also apostle, because that's kind of the distinction we're making uh, here today. So the, the word disciple that appears several times in the New Testament, I think it's 80-something times, it comes from the Greek word methetis, and that word um, 
It means a, a pupil, a student, um, a follower, yes, but a follower in a very close sense. So a disciple is not somebody who you know, follows their master from a distance. A disciple is somebody who's following very closely and, and learning and, and receiving instruction and applying that instruction to their life. That's what a disciple is. And so these men at the, this moment, when we pick up reading here in verse 16, they are at this moment disciples, but by the time we finish verse 20, they've been called from being disciples to apostles. Now, apostle is um, the word, the, the Greek word apostolos. It means one who is sent, uh, like a representative, a delegate, an ambassador. And I'm going to use the word today a little bit differently than we normally would use it. Because when we use the word apostle, we think very specifically of these 12 guys. And, you know, if you know your Bible well enough, you can know that there are a few other uh, people in scripture who are referred to as apostles who were not part of that 12. But I want to use it in a, in a bit of a broader sense to really refer to people uh, who are being called out of the ordinary routine of life into specific um, ministry surrounding God's word. So that's what I'm talking about when I am talking about apostle today. So because today, before we're done, I'm, I'm going to uh, basically tell us that there are people here being called uh, from being disciples to being apostles. But I just want you to understand that uh, I'm not thinking that you're going to become part of that group, the 12, and you're going to be, you know, in addition to that. Um, but you, but you're, God's calling you. He's calling you out of the routine He's calling you into a, a, a special calling. So every Christian is called to be a disciple, but not every disciple is called to be an apostle. So every Christian is called to be a disciple. And remember, a disciple is a pupil. It's a, a student, a follower. And so a, a person who is a Christian, a person who, uh, well, let's, Put it like this. The person who says, oh, yeah, you know, of course I'm a Christian. Yeah, sure, I, I believe in Jesus. But there's no following of Jesus. Well, that, that person's missing the point. Because a Christian, even though at the very moment you become a Christian, you maybe wouldn't so much qualify f technically for being a disciple. But a Christian is somebody who is going to become a disciple. You're, you're, it's not just, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He died, rose again. That's great. Now I'm going to go on with my business. It's no, I believe in Jesus. And so I'm going to follow him. So every Christian is called to be a disciple, but not every disciple is called to be an apostle. So that's the thing that I want us to understand. So the vast majority of you here in this room today, you, well, we're all called to be disciples. The vast majority, you are going to live your life and you're going to work out your Christian faith in um, just the ordinary experiences of life. But, but some of you, a few of you, there's going to be a, a different calling. So let's talk, um, well, first of all, let, let me let you in on something here. 
that is not necessarily recognizable from just a, a straightforward reading of the text here. How many of you have ever read this and thought, wow, that's kind of strange. You know, these guys are there, they're at the sea and they're in their boats and they're fishing. And then this guy just walks by and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they dropped their nets and they followed him. It's like, wow, that seems kind of abrupt. You know, how, how did that happen? I don't know if you've ever thought that, but when you read Matthew and you read Mark and you read Luke, it seems like that's what happened and this is the reason. Because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they start their account of the ministry of Jesus with what we would call the Galilean ministry of Jesus. But what they don't tell us is that there was ministry that preceded the Galilean ministry. Jesus was, was with them and they were, they were with him for actually a year before this moment that we're reading about here. So it wasn't the situation where uh, they're there in their boats, you know, tending their nets and, and all of that, and a complete stranger walks by or somebody that they maybe heard about this Jesus guy walks by and says, follow me, and they just said, okay, We'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll drop everything and follow you. No, they had already been with him for that year period. Now, John is the only one that records for us that first year of ministry. So this is where you see some real differences between the gospel of John and the other three gospels because the other three gospels only have very brief references to the things that transpired in that first year, the, the ministry of John the Baptist would be one of them, but most of it, they completely leave out. So, but when you go to John's gospel, John chapter one, all the way through chapter four, and maybe even part of chapter five is uh, describing a period of time that year that the others do not record. And so John, uh, he picks up where these guys start in about the sixth chapter of his gospel. So all that to say, um, they have already had, uh, they've already spent a year with Jesus and they've been with him to Jerusalem. Uh, they had heard him preach. They had seen miraculous things happen. And um, it, all of those things, like I said, in those first four or five chapters of John, those things have already transpired. So now Jesus is calling them, like I said, they, they were disciples. They, they've been following Jesus for that year already. But now there's a new call for them to become uh, apostles. So, but before we get into that detail, let's talk for a minute about just this idea of fishing for fish. That's what they were doing. They were fishermen, right? So they were fishing for fish. And they represent, at that point, the vast majority of Christians who are called to serve the Lord in the routine things of life. The vast majority of Christians are called to serve the Lord in the routine things of life. Now, sometimes I think we mistakenly think if we are serving the Lord in the routine things of life and we're maybe not serving him in a more specified, you know, special kind of a calling, sometimes we might think that, you know, maybe we're falling short. Maybe you know, maybe we should just quit our jobs and we should go, you know, aspire to um, a more specific kind of ministry like this. And, and oftentimes people will feel, you know, somewhat of a 
of an inferiority because, well, yeah, you know, I, I'm serving the Lord, but I, I'm not serving the Lord like that person because that person is, uh, you know, on the mission field or that person is, you know, uh, preaching to multitudes of people or that person is able to give uh, 100% of their time to studying God's word and communicating it. The, this is a different calling. And it's not a problem to not be in that place if God hasn't called you to be in that place. You want to be in the place that God's called you to be. So, as I said already a couple of times, the vast majority of Christians are called to be in the place of serving the Lord in just the daily routine. So, called to serve the Lord in the home. Called to serve the Lord on the job called to serve the Lord in the community. And of course, the church has a part there as well, called to serve the Lord in the church. Uh, you know, maybe a Sunday school teacher, maybe, um, you know, just helping out in, in different ways um, as you have the, the time, just helping out in different aspects of the ministry. But the, the most part of your life is spent um, in, in a sense, outside of the church, at least outside of the building and away from the grounds and, and that sort of a thing. But listen, never underestimate the importance of serving the Lord in the routine things of life because this is, this is where um, so much of the ministry really takes place. You know, we, we have outreaches, you know, we have these events, we have these uh, large-scale evangelistic uh, things that happen, and, and all of that is wonderful. But, you know, every one of those kinds of things are really dependent on Christian people who, in their neighborhood, uh, on their job, in their community, are living for Jesus and sharing about the Lord with other people. And, and, giving people invitations to come to things like that and, and so forth. But sometimes we, we fail to realize how important this is. But never underestimate the influence and impact of a genuine Christian man or woman upon their environment. And so that's most Christians are going to serve the Lord in their, just their normal uh, experience of life, and it's so important that we do that faithfully, that we do that sincerely, that if, if, we're never, if our names are never even known, if we never have any sort of notoriety as you know, a Christian, um, and I'm not a preacher, I'm not an author, I'm not a singer, I'm not a you know, celebrity of any sort, it doesn't matter. We need to serve the Lord faithfully because it's in the places like the home. It's in the places like on the job. It's in the places like out in the community. That's where, as Jesus said, we let our light so shine before men that they would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So these guys and most other people that they would have been connected to at that time they were fishing for fish. They were disciples serving Jesus in the context of their daily routine. But then there comes this moment where Jesus calls them to fish for men. He says, follow me 
and I will make you fishers of men. So this is a new thing now for them. He's calling them into, he's calling them away from something and into something else. They're going to be fishers for men. They're going to now go out and they're going to catch people. That, that's going to be their, their new calling. They're going to catch people. Of course, you know, Jesus is using the analogy that's relevant to where they're at. So just like they've been all of these years throwing out those nets and, and pulling them in, nets full of fish, Jesus is saying, follow me, and, and we're going to do the same thing, but we're going to cast out nets and we're going to pull in people to the kingdom of God. So that's what happened there. That, that's what's being recorded here in these verses uh, regarding these men. So, in fishing for men, here's a question. Who does God call to do this? And the answer, based upon what we see in the story itself, the answer is that God calls ordinary people to do this. You see, these, these four guys, um, Simon, Andrew, James, John, they were ordinary guys. They were, they were you know, really in, this, in, in like terms that we would think of it today, they were, they were like just blue-collar workers. They weren't academics. They weren't, uh, you know, celebrities. They weren't the cultural elite. Um, they, were, they were none of that. They were, they were just simple, ordinary men. And God takes these four men and another additional eight one of them, of course, you know, the story of Judas later, but then somebody else was added to that. But, but God takes these 12 men, Jesus takes these 12 men, and he forever changes the world through these 12 ordinary people. And when we think about this, this calling into that broader um, ministry of the word, not specifically apostolic, but the ministry of the word, where a person's life is dedicated to the things that surround the ministry of the word, God uses ordinary people. And let me say this, he calls both men and women to this. Um, as far as the biblical model of church leadership, we have a biblical model that I think clearly uh, gives the primary leadership of the church to men, but it doesn't exclude women. And, and women have a role to play. And women might even serve in this kind of a capacity where they, uh, God calls them out of the normal routine of life and sets them apart as someone who's going to minister his word. So just to be clear about that. So God calls ordinary people. And then here's a second question. What is involved in this, this fishing for people? Jesus says, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. What, what does that entail? Well, it, it's basically this, bringing people to Christ and making disciples of them. That, that's really what it is. We, we're called, those who have this calling on their life, to, to influence people for Christ, to get the gospel to people, to see them come, to put their faith in Christ, and then to make disciples of them, to make them followers of Jesus as well. 
So that's the task. And to just clarify it a little bit more, um, it's evangelizing, shepherding, teaching, equipping. And, and so for a person to do that, they, of course, have to be called and equipped themselves. And so for certain people, God just puts that, that calling upon them. And so a third question is then this. How does someone know if they're being called to this kind of thing? How, do, how, how does somebody know that um, God has this, this different thing for them where he's going to call them out of the normal experience of most Christians into a, a more specific ministry of the word? How, how does a person know that? Um, and there, there are, I'm, I'm going to give us seven things that I think are, are present there for the person who is being called in this way. And as, as we look at each one of these seven, um, perhaps for you, you're going to be listening. And you're going to be thinking, wow, that, that kind of describes where I'm at. Now, I know for sure that, that you know, most people here today are, are called to be disciples and to serve the Lord in the routine of life. But I also uh, believe that there are maybe a few that God says, no, I, I've got something else. Um, so that's what we want to look at now. So how do we know? How does a person know that this kind of a calling? Well, it starts with this. It starts with a commitment to live for and to please Christ. So, so in other words, God's not going to call somebody into this kind of ministry who doesn't have a serious commitment and devotion to the Lord already. Now, that sounds like a no-brainer, right? That sounds like common sense. Well, of course, that would be the case. But believe it or not, I, I have actually met people, had conversations with people over the years who uh, never took the time to actually consider living a godly life for Jesus, but then somehow decided that they thought God was calling them to the ministry. And I remember a conversation in the office some, quite a few years ago now where there was a man standing on the other side of the counter. He introduced himself to me. I think he had just uh, been released from jail. Uh, he was on his third or fourth marriage. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, his life was an absolute disaster. And so I'm listening to his story and he's telling me everything that's going on. And then he says, and you know, I think God's calling me to be a pastor. And I said, you know, I don't think so. <laughs> I think God's actually calling you to be a Christian and a disciple. That, that's where it starts. I mean, get this out of your brain. How did you ever come to that conclusion? God's calling you to be a pastor. You know, some people have even said this to me. They said, well, you know, I've, I've failed at everything in life, so God must want me to be a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That is not the way it works. <laughs> now, you might have failed at things, and, and God might call you, but that, you know, that is definitely not the prerequisite to uh, a call to the ministry. So, so there's going to be right there, you know, first and foremost, there, there is going to be a commitment to live for and to please Christ. It's, it's going to start with that. 
So in other words, a person who's being you know, ultimately called into this other thing is a person who, like these guys, they were, they were followers of Jesus. They were on a break from following him just because evidently he took a break. And so they decided, okay, we're going to go fishing again. But the minute he came by and said, okay, let's go, they were ready to go. They, they were serious about their commitment to Christ. And it's going to start with that. But secondly, there's going to be a desire within you for the work of the ministry. And it can become an intense, all-absorbing desire. See, this is what happens quite often. Uh, a person, uh, their desires begin to change. And, and I have known many people over the years like this where um, they have you know, maybe a profession. They have um, been actually not only successful in their profession, they've, they've been very content. Uh, you know, maybe they went to college and they studied something and decided this is what I want to do. They went out and did it and they've done very well at it. But then something happens through a process of time. They start to, they start to lose interest in it. And in a sense, it doesn't really add up. And, and for them, sometimes they're even perplexed by it. It's like, wow, what, what's happening to me? I, I love this job or, you know, I, I, I work so hard to get to this place, but my desires just aren't really here anymore. But then at the same time, they are seeing that, you know, I've just got this desire for God's word. I want to study it more. I, I've got an insatiable appetite for it. And not only do I want to study it, but I want to talk to other people about it. And, oh, I just, I just want to, you know, man, you know, forget all of this stuff. I just, I just want to be free to serve the Lord. Now, again, we're talking about a person who was previously very much contented in, in what they were doing, but something happens. The desire changes, and this is what God does when he's calling people. He puts a desire in their hearts for these things, and this desire becomes um, an, an all absorbing kind of a desire. And along with that, this is the third point, he gives to that person an understanding of scripture and the longing to share that with other people. Not everybody has the, the insights into the scripture that um, those who have that specific calling are given. And you, you know this by experience because you, you know people who God has that calling and gifting on their life and you find that, you know, you think to yourself, you, you hear them say something and you think, man, I read that same passage. How did I not see that? How did I not get that out of the passage? Well, God's just, he gives understanding. He gives insight to those that he's calling. And as he's opening up his word to those people, he is then also uh, giving them a desire to communicate it. So that's another uh, component there. And then again, kind of connected to that, there is a God-given gift to teach the word. You know, teaching, teaching God's word, is a, it's a it's a gift from God to be able to do it. Not everybody can do it. And as a matter of fact, a person can even be a teacher by profession and find that teaching the Bible is an entirely different thing. 
I, I have two friends that um, I think of, uh, and I remember the conversations years ago. One of them had two master's degrees and was uh, in you know public education for 20 plus years at the time, and uh, you know had done very well as a a teacher. And God was calling that person out of that into pastoral preaching kind of ministry. And, and I remember them talking to me and telling me how, how much they were struggling. But part of the struggle was they had an assumption that because they had taught for so many years and because they were educated and they had their two master's degrees, they thought this is going to be a piece of cake. I'm just, I'm just going to go from teaching you know, English and history and math or whatever. I'm just going to now teach the Bible. But it didn't work that way because it's a different thing. It's, it's God's word. There's a supernatural element to it. I have another friend who is, um, uh, he's a PhD. He's a chair of, a, of an entire department at um, probably the most uh, academically prestigious uh, university in the UK. And he was, when he was studying for his PhD, he was, a, he was part of our congregation in London. And he never told me this during that whole time, but later on, um, I was at a, an event that he was speaking at, and he was telling the story of how when he would sit in the congregation on Sunday mornings and listen to me preach, he would sit there, and in a very you know, good way, he would think, this is great, you know, yeah, Brian's a teacher, I'm a teacher, this is what we do, this is all really good, and you know, on and on and on. And he said later on, when God called him He's still at the university, but he's also became the assistant pastor of a church. So he was teaching. He said, later on, when I was called to teaching the scripture, I came with that assumption. I am a teacher. This is what I do. And he said, and I found out that it is entirely different. And he, and, you know, he was sharing this with a group. He said, even though I have a PhD, he said, when it comes to, to this, I felt like I was beginning all over again. And, and so all of that to say, it, it's really true. Teaching God's word, preaching God's word, God gifts people to do it. And so this is one of the ways that a person knows that there's a calling there because there is a gifting there. And so there is a God-given gift to teach the word. And then a couple more things. Um, there will be a love for God and for people. Now, once again, this seems like a no-brainer. Why, why even say that? Of course, you would have to love God. Well, you know what? Not everybody gets that. There's, there's something about ministry. There's, there's certain attractive aspects to it. Some people are attracted to it, and God isn't even in their thinking. Do you know there are people today who are in ministry, who are in high places in church leadership, who are atheist? Church leadership. I said, who are atheists in certain denominations, in certain groups. They love the position. They love the power. They love the administration. They love the academics. They love all of that. They don't even know God. So it's, it's possible to aspire toward ministry, but not really even have any personal affection for God or for people. But both of those things are absolutely essential. Because this, of course, is the work of God. A person must love God. And because God loves people, 
a person who's called to ministry is going to have a love for people. Now, there's kind of a standing um, joke among pastors. You know, sometimes pastors will say, man, the ministry would be the greatest job in the world if it weren't for the people. (laughs) I have never said that. But, you know, I mean, sometimes people can be challenging, right? Sometimes things can be hard. And, and you know, because there's a, there's a camaraderie, there's, you know, this thing. You kind of live in a world of, of books and, you know, all of this stuff. And there's, there's, so there's something about that that can be really attractive. And you can be drawn to all of that but have no interest in people. And for that person, um, you know, you might be called to something, but it's not to what we're talking about here today because there's going to be a love for God. And because God loves people, there's gonna be a love for people and, and that's gonna be there. You're gonna care about people and you're gonna wanna see uh, God's best in their life. And so the, that's fifth. Uh, number six there's going to be the affirmation of the church. The affirmation of the church is simply this. Other people are going to recognize that there's a calling upon your life. Now, when a person's gifted to teach, you know, one of the ways that, that they can know that is because people learn from them and people follow them. Um, you know, somebody said it kind of in a funny way. Um, you know, um, he that thinks that he leads and no one follows merely takes a walk. And, you know, you know there are people that want, want to be leaders, but nobody wants to follow. So, and, but they, they even see themselves, well, I'm a leader, but wait, there's, nobody's following you. And, and so likewise, you know, and I'm a teacher. God's gifted me to teach God's word. Well, uh, is there anybody listening to what you're saying? Uh, is there anybody learning? Is there anybody that's saying, man, I, I want to hear what that person has to say because God speaks to me through that. That's going to happen. So there's going to be uh, an affirmation that comes from the church. Now, it's not necessarily going to be universal. It's not like everybody's going to go, whoa, wow, I see it. Yeah, man, that guy's called. Some people might say, no, I don't think so. But, but there are those that are going to, they're going to affirm the calling. When when Saul of Tarsus was converted and called into ministry and into apostleship, remember Barnabas was the one who affirmed that. Uh, they, they were afraid of, of Saul. They doubted that his conversion was genuine and they were very standoffish when it came to him. But Barnabas said, no, no, no. I've been with him. I have seen him in ministry. I'm gonna vouch for him. So, so there was affirmation from the church that came to him there and, and again, that, that will happen. And, you know, again, sometimes people will mistakenly think, well, God's called me to this and that. But, you know, everybody that knows them and observes, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really see it. I don't think so. But, like I said, it's, it's not universal. Sometimes, you know, people can miss it. There, there's a, a great preacher back in the uh, first half of the 20th century. Um, G. Campbell Morgan was his name. And Campbell Morgan was um, aspiring to the ministry, and he went for ordination before the Baptist or before the Methodist, and um, he was he was turned down. And they basically told him, "We don't see a calling on your life. We think you ought to just go, you know, do something else." And 
he wrote a letter uh, to his father about his experience, and the letter just had one word in it, and it was rejected. He sent a letter to his father. His father knew he was going to go before the ordination board, and he just wrote the one word, rejected. His father wrote back and said, rejected on earth, approved in heaven. Well, Campbell Morgan went on to become one of the great preachers of the 20th century, and so, I mean, sometimes people get it wrong. <laughs> so, so we don't go entirely with, well, we've got to be affirmed by everyone, but th there are going to be those voices that would say, I, I sense the, the call of God. And then the final thing here, remember, we're looking at things that will indicate to us that there is that calling. The final thing is opportunity. So if God's calling us to this, he will then give us an opportunity. He will create an opportunity. He will open a door. So when I look at this list that I just shared with you, I, I look at this and I think to myself, um, yeah, I, I know every one of these things by experience. This is what happened to me when I was a young guy. And... Um, so all of those things were there, but, but then the opportunity. What, what about the opportunity? How do I actually move into it? And this is where you can be confident that since God is the one who's calling, like he did to these guys, um, that he's going to make it happen. Remember, Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So the opportunity, the Lord will bring about an opportunity, and then he will say, follow me. Take a step. Come into this opportunity. So I remember uh, my own experience. I was a disciple. I had come to faith in Jesus, and I was following the Lord, and I you know, was wanting to grow and serve him. And, and I was here at the church, and I was doing the little things that I could do to help out. Sometimes I was setting up and tearing down uh, the, the chairs in the fellowship hall for a meeting, Sometimes I was praying with folks after the service. Uh, sometimes I'd just sitting around for maybe an hour with my Bible open, talking to people about, you know, what was going on in their life. So, you know, I, I was doing these kinds of things, uh, but I was, in the terminology we're using, I was fishing for fish. I, was, I had a job. I was out doing construction, and, and then at, at this particular point, um, I was working in a surf shop, and, and one day... Uh, I got a call at work from Cheryl, and she said, uh, my dad wants you to call him. So I called over here to the church from the surf shop I was working at, and Pastor Chuck said, hey, I want you to come and, uh, I want you to come and join me on the staff here at the church. I want you to work here. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? And he said, well, you know, we're going to do like ministry stuff. And I said, well, I don't know how to do that. And he said, well, but you, do, you have a desire, right? And of course, you know, Chuck knew me, so he knew that I had that desire. And he said, well, you have a desire, and I want to give you an opportunity to be trained. And, you know, let's see what the Lord will do. And so there it was. There was my opportunity. And so I had to step through that door. I didn't feel super confident at, at that time, like, you know, oh, absolutely, this is, of course I can do this. But I did feel like this was the, the opportunity that, that God had brought 
based upon all the other things that were stirring in my heart and happening over the past, you know, the year prior to that. And so I took that step. And so for me, uh, that's when I transitioned from fishing for fish uh, to, to fishing for men. And again, you know, God does those kinds of things still today. He's still calling uh, people today out of the, you know, just the broader world of being a follower of Jesus and a disciple into the more specific calling of the ministry uh, of the word. And so this is what I want to kind of finish things up with here today. Uh, First of all, remember every apostle, and again, let me remind you, I'm using this in a larger sense of, you know, people called to specifically minister the word. Every apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle. So we've already said that, but just let that sink in. Not every, not every disciple is called to be an apostle. So we are all disciples of Christ, and it is so vitally important to the life and health of the church that we live out our faith in Jesus day to day in the privacy of our homes and in the public square. Like I said, you know, and I'm, and I'm saying this again because of this. Sometimes we can easily think like, Uh, You know, you can think, well, I'm just a Christian. I'm here at church. You know, Pastor Brian, he's up there. Man, he's really serving God. Look what he's doing. Look at all the stuff he's doing. What am I doing? Well, I'm doing what I'm called to do. That's what I'm doing. And you just do what you're called to do. And you got a family? Love your family. Live for Jesus right in your home. You know how desperately we need that today? We need people to live for Jesus right under their own roof because guess what? A lot of people are saying that they're followers of Jesus, but they don't live for Jesus under their own roof. And their kids see that and they say, my parents are hypocrites. I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. And they're out the door. Oh, we don't want that happening. No, we got to be living for Jesus in the privacy of our own home and out in the public square. And, and, you know, when we go out those doors and when you go off to work and when you're out in the community, you see, this is where the, the witness is, is going to really be impactful. Isn't it true that we, we've heard this you know, I've heard this for many, many years, but, but we hear it so much today. All oh, Christians are hypocrites. You know, the church is so full of hypocrisy. And let's be honest. I mean, if you look at the news, there's some stuff out there that tells you that yep, there's a lot of truth to that. But don't let that be the case with you. We are called to serve Jesus in the privacy of our home. Be a Christian at home. Follow the Lord. Love him. Make sure that your world at home is a place that is committed to Christ and honoring him. And, and when you go out into the world, out into the workforce, out into the community, man, live for the Lord out there. We so desperately need that. And that's where the vast majority of Christians are going to spend their whole life. And it's a great, great thing. Because God's using you out there. You're, you're the light out there that's shining, that gets people to think, man, those Christians are different. 
the, you know, that, that person's loving, that person's kind, that person's forgiving. I, I've not seen that in my world. And they see that and they think, I, I want to know some more about Jesus. And, you know, whether you invite them and you bring them or they just are, you know, driving by and they see the sign, oh, there's a church, I'm going to go in there and see what's happening. And, and then they can come and hear somebody like me who, that's my gift. And, you know, God connects all of those dots. But we're all doing this together. But there are some, and I, I understand it's a minority, but there are some who are being called, like these men were, to lay aside your net, so to speak, and to give yourself to the ministry of the word. And, and I think that there's some, even hearing my voice today, whether you're sitting in this room or you're hearing me on the radio or you're watching this on a screen, uh, God's speaking to you. And as you look at those seven things that we walk through, you're thinking, yeah, that's my experience. That's my experience. That's my experience. That's my experience. So that, that God's speaking to you. So now, what do you do? Well, look for the opportunity that God's going to bring. And when he brings the opportunity, step through the door. And listen, that step you're going to take is probably the first step of many that will lead you eventually into that place. I have known so many people where, you know, and, and I could even say this about my, my own experience, I knew when I spoke to Pastor Chuck that day on the phone, I knew that God was, oh, this was the door, this was the opportunity, and, and I, I stepped through it. And it was one of many steps. I didn't know ultimately where the steps were going to lead I knew they were leading me away from fishing for fish, away from you know, what I had been doing. I knew God was leading me away from that and into you know, ministry of the word, but I didn't know, of course, I didn't know, you know what that would, would fully mean. Uh, on Friday, my friend Ray Bentley, some of you know who Ray is, him and his wife Vicki, um, I was at a meeting out in Marietta, so I couldn't be here. So I asked them if they would fill in uh, for the radio program on Friday, and they sat in, and they, they're great. You know, they're dear friends. They did a great job. But anyway, they stuck around afterwards, so we went out to dinner Friday night. And um, after everything was said and done, Cheryl's out of town. She's in New York, so I'm kind of lonely. So they, <laughs> they were my friends that night. But as we, as we finished up dinner, and they, they left their car here, so as we drove back, Ray said this to me when we drove into the parking lot. He said, Brian, what do you think of when you drive onto the grounds of this church? And I said, honestly, Ray, this is what I think of. I think of the first time I ever came to this church back in 1976. And this is what I think of. If anybody would have told me back then that I would one day be the pastor of this church, I would have thought they were utterly out of their minds. <laughs> there is not any way in the world that you could have convinced me in 1976 that that was going to take place. But in 1980, when I got that call from Chuck and I took that step I still never saw that, but I did know at that point, God was calling me to do something like this. I, di I didn't know what it would involve. But my whole point is this, God's gonna open up an opportunity. It won't be what it 
initially it won't be what it will become, but it's the step toward that thing that God has. And so you've got to take that step. But you know, I, I, I want to say this too before, um, before I finish. And I want to kind of include this. You know, going back to that, um, the, you know, just the way God calls people out of things. And I was thinking in between services, they didn't say this first service, but I got, I got to thinking about um, Pastor John Henry. And, um, you know, what, I mean, I don't know how many of you know John's story. You know, some of you know he's Irish, some of you don't, because his Irish accent's kind of gone, really, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's kind of lost it, but, uh, but John is from Ireland. But what you, and, and I want to say this because, you know, there, you never know when this is going to happen. You know, you might assume, now I was in my, I was in my early 20s when all of this stuff I'm talking to you about happened for me. Uh, I was 22, 23. Um, and some people might think, well, you know, hey, I'm, I'm older than that. That's not going to happen for me this day. So, so John was in his early 30s. And John was a, an extremely successful businessman in Ireland and in England. And uh, he was a well-known hairdresser and uh, had a number of prominent salons throughout the country and, uh, you know, worked directly with Vidal Sassoon in London and, you know, him and his wife, Hillary. And, you know, th th this was their world. And they weren't saved. And um, through various circumstances, John could tell you the details, but through various circumstances, they, you know, everything kind of imploded. And that brought them to faith in Christ. And, and there they were kind of, you know, John, John told me that, uh, you know, he had a number of cars, you know, Mercedes Benz and all of this. And he said, um, you know, never forget after he lost everything, he was actually reduced to riding a bicycle. <laughs> and he said he was riding down one of the roads there in his town. And one guy just looked at him and said, oh, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> reduced to riding a bike. And... Um, but you know, yeah, they, they were reduced to that on one level, but God began to do a work. And through a process of events, uh, you know, John got connected. Some lady had this um, storehouse of Pastor Chuck's teaching, and John got connected with those tapes, and he began to listen, and God began to open doors for him in Ireland, and he got involved in ministry and serving in the Presbyterian ministry in both Northern Ireland and in, uh, you know, the Irish Republic where he's from. And, you know, all of this is going on, but then he's getting really blessed and ministered to by, by Pastor Chuck. And then, you know, one day he meets him and, you know, all of, all of these, you know, great moments and so forth. And... Um, and we all got connected in Europe and, you know, all of these kinds of things. But then there just came a day when John received a letter from Pastor Chuck and it was an invitation. I think it's time for you to come to California. And, they, you know, it was the call of God for him to come. He'd been, he was already doing ministry in Ireland, but God was calling him to a new thing. 
And so he packed up his family and, and they moved to California. And John, they've been here ever since. And, um, but you know, in his mid-30s at the time that all of that happened. So my point is this. You know, you might be in one world doing all of this stuff and you think, man, this is it. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm always gonna be doing. And God might have a plan that's gonna, that's all gonna go away. <laughs> that's all gonna disappear somehow. Or, or just your, your heart is so gonna change that you're gonna realize, you know, I think God has something else for me. And then a door's gonna open. An opportunity's gonna come. And that's my final word, step through it because it's the first of many steps that will lead to fishing for men. So Lord, we thank you for your call. Lord, we're all called. We're called to be the children of God. You called us to be your sons and daughters. You saved us. And Lord, you gave us families. You put us in communities. You've provided jobs for us. Lord, you've You've just placed us in our places in the world where we're going to serve you. But Lord, some you know, uh, you are calling out of the boat and to leave the nets behind because there's uh, a different plan, a plan to fish for people for their lives. So Lord, I, I pray that uh, you would just from, even from this message, that you would call out uh, some today and help them, Lord, to uh, see the opportunity and to seize the opportunity, to take the step, the first of many that will lead them into all that you have for them. And, and Lord, I pray too, if there's uh, someone with us today that's maybe even just in the area of discipleship. They haven't really begun to follow you in the close sense. They believe in you. They know that you're the son of God, but they're not a disciple. Lord, put them in that place of becoming a disciple. Do that work in their heart, even today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.